Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I've compiled a fourth wrap-up episode for you. It's meant to reflect on the last few episodes and bubble up key findings all in one place. But like any Notes versions, however, the real meat is found within the episodes. But I'm hoping to give you a flavor for what was covered so you could decide to go back and listen for the insights you might need for the work that you do. I've covered a lot of ground over the last six episodes, starting with Ember's temperature-controlled mugs, to GreenPal, the Uber of lawn care, to Susie, the human face of consumer intelligence. I also covered emerging post-pandemic trends. And then finally, I round out with my latest episode featuring personalized coaching by Proud Ounces to get new moms back to work. So let's dig in. First, I'll kick things off with my chat with Jolene Abbott from Ember Technologies. I became a fan of Ember about a year ago after buying my first coffee cup when an ad promised it would keep my beverage at the perfect temperature. And for anyone who's ever microwaved their coffee multiple times in a single morning, you could see why this ad spoke to me. It's definitely one of those products you don't think you need until you actually have it. Once they wrote me in as a customer, I had to have them on the show. Overall, Ember is a design-led brand, and we're first and foremost a temperature control brand. Our mission is essentially to transform the way people eat, drink, and live. And what that means is really, you know, as we look at it, temperature plays a role in all aspects of our life, whether we even realize it or not, you know, on your day-to-day basis. So, you know, the temperature of your food, the temperature of your coffee, your thermostat, you know, with Nest thermostat coming out, being able to kind of control the temperature for your personal preference. It's really an interesting concept. And and I think Nest is a good example because that's kind of where people start to really kind of understand personalization versus something just kind of being hot and cold, you're able to really set the exact temperature, control it from an app and really kind of create like a personal structure in your home around what you like in different rooms. And Ember kind of similarly is a way to personalize your drinking temperature exactly the way you like it. Do you have a brand purpose articulated at Ember? Not officially. We say as a kind of at the the top of the show that we want to create products that help transform the way people eat, drink, and live. So that really is what we live by. And that opens up multiple categories for us. So we have our consumer line, which the coffee cups, but we also have another side in the medical world. So we're looking at creating coolers that can keep temperature sensitive medicines at the right temperature. Oh, cool. And so it helps with transportation. It helps cut down on waste. You can ensure that these very sensitive products arrive when they need to arrive at the correct temperature. So It's very broad, but the way that we look at it is temperature control and that importance can really infuse into kind of every aspect of our life. So that's kind of our core belief at the company is like, what can we do as a company of inventors and innovators to kind of make everyday products better? Like how can we improve on everyday products in a meaningful way? We do not like the word gadget. We're not, (laughs) we don't want to be seen as a gadget. Really have to be purposeful and meaningful and impactful for people's lives, whether it is something as simple as your daily coffee or something more widespread is creating a a safe way to transport medicine. That's so great. I think that's fantastic. The key to creating fans for life is creating products with intention and being absolutely obsessive. 
an obsessive focus on making the best quality product or delivering the best quality service and being so obsessive about the little details that goes into exactly that execution. It's about being consistently great and having a set of standards from the first customer experience to the hundredth. I've said this before, but it bears repeating because I keep hearing this consistent drumbeat. This is why it never matters what we're marketing, because if we find that the product has been created with deep care and attention, then people will give us their attention willingly. Next up, I moved on to speaking with Brian Clayton, co-founder of GreenPal. GreenPal is a service that matches homeowners with lawn care services. They really remove pain points for the homeowners finding reliable people, and all while helping small businesses scale by offering their services via a seamless Uber-like app. But this is not a story about cutting grass efficiently. This is a story about entrepreneurship and the grittiness of playing the long game in business. And it's how Brian and his co-founders created a tool that gives these small business owners a real shot in succeeding. How do you ensure the same level of service trickles down to every lawn that gets cut? I can imagine that that's a really hard thing to constantly pay off every day. It's really hard. And in the first few years, it was just nothing but hand cranking. It was really personally vetting every single service provider and following up and making sure they were doing a good job. And as time went on, we were able to layer on layers of technology to ensure that there was a consistent, predictable level of quality that homeowners that use our app will get. And so you talk about, you know, brand, that's what the GreenPal brand is. You know, you know, when you sign up on GreenPal, you're not going to get the people who are flaky. You're not going to get somebody who's going to skip the trimming. You're not going to get somebody who's going to leave clippings all over your back patio. You're going to get a consistent quality of service. And so the way we ensure that is, is, you know, we're not your grass cutting service. We're the marketplace that connects you with a good one. But the way we ensure that is right off the bat, when somebody signs up on our platform, there's a minimal level of vetting. They have to have the right equipment. They have to pass a bank check. They have to have a real ID. They have like, there's a basic floor, but that doesn't necessarily ensure that you're going to get a good job done. So, but then we measure how often these service providers show up on time. We measure how often they get booked for a second lawn mowing. That's probably one of the strongest indicators for if they are doing a good job for their clientele or not, is if they get booked for recurring visits. We measure how often we like qualitative feedback, star ratings. Every time a service is done, the homeowner gets to rate them on how they did. And so through these different ways of understanding, okay, are they reliable? Are they pleasing their customers? What are people saying about them? They have to maintain a minimum star rating. We're able to weed out and kind of sideline the unreliable service providers because there are a lot of them. And we're able to promote and surface the ones that are good. And so that's kind of the value proposition to a homeowner who, who downloads the app. It's like, okay, great. Now I don't have to get stood up anymore. I don't have to go through the case of the disappearing lawn guy. Nobody's going to flake on me. Like I, I hire them, they show up, it just happens. I would also imagine that your service probably gives peace of mind to the lawn care providers that it's probably a welcome relief that they would have somebody like you booking their services so they don't have to do that 100% of their time. That's really why we do what we do. We offer a nice convenience to homeowners. You know, they don't have to dial for dollars and they don't have to get, you know, stood up by grass cutting services. I mean, it's a nice convenience, but for the service provider, 
that's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's why we have worked our tails off for, for seven, eight years building this thing. Cause we materially change their life. We give them an entire platform that they plug into where all of the lawns they want to mow are right at their fingertips. They don't have to wait to get paid. They get paid in 24 hours. So they don't have to do bookkeeping at night. Their routes are optimized to go through town at the most efficient manner. All of these things are handled for them to where all they have to do is just do a good job of servicing their clientele. And we materially help them double and triple their business and improve their livelihood just through the technology we've built. So we've got a Facebook group where we have thousands of these service providers that we kind of share stories. And every day where we hear stories around, oh, GreenPal helped me double my business this year. So I was able to get my house out of foreclosure or look at my new truck that I bought. Thank you, GreenPal, for you know helping me get these customers to buy this truck. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. Next, I moved on to speaking with Avi Savar, president of Suzy. Suzy is a real-time market research platform that puts the voice of your consumer literally at your fingertips. Imagine you're a wellness brand and you're in a marketing meeting and you wondered aloud if your target customer has purchased new workout clothes in the past 60 days. If you're subscribed to Suzy, you can ask and find out during the meeting. Yeah, that's real time. Here's a clip from Avi as he explains Suzy's unique point of difference. What we are inventing is agile market research for the enterprise. And an enterprise customer like a Microsoft, a Kraft, a Citibank, a PNG, these are large organizations that spend a lot of money in research and they have expectations of quality and data integrity and privacy. And there's an opportunity to create a new model for agile DIY in the enterprise that really doesn't exist. Right? Not a lot of big brands are spending tons and tons of money with SurveyMonkey. Right? SurveyMonkeys, if you read their public filings, it's something like 300,000 customers at an average of $300. Right? We don't have 300,000 customers, nor do we probably ever want 300,000 customers. We've got 200 customers, and they spend a whole hell of a lot more than 300 bucks with us. Right? So it's an enterprise product with an enterprise price point, enterprise service and support, an enterprise quality data and an audience that is unparalleled, right? These tools that exist in the open market, the survey monkeys of the world, they don't have an audience. They are buying their audience programmatically through open exchanges. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you're watching a video on YouTube, you might every once in a while see, you know, take the survey. That's where online survey data comes from. It's through these open exchanges. And we're coming in and we're saying, no, that's not good enough. The quality is not good enough. 20% spam rates for online market research is not good enough. And we are saying we can do that because we have our own audience and we can maintain that quality. It's why we have application and a verification process for the audience. So our spam rates, our fraud rates are below 2%, where the industry's spam and fraud rates are above 20%. And that is enterprise. Traditional market research gets a bad rap for a really good reason. Even if you have a statistically significant sample to answer those 30 questions you have, There's no doubt there's a level of survey fatigue that you need to account for in your results. And Susie's gamification piece adds a layer of pleasure not found in market research, like ever. Focus groups may be more stimulating than a survey, but people are still doing it as a means to an end. And doing anything under those conditions can't possibly produce the results to bet a whole marketing budget on. The unlock here for me is quality. There's a rigor of vetting people who even come into the Suzy network, where 80% of applicants are getting thrown out monthly. And the intangible aspects of happy respondents lead to quality results. 
I'd bet my budget on those results any day. After Avi, I moved on to the cultural insights that I started seeing talking about post-pandemic life that just kept popping up for me. I thought they were important to highlight as we start to navigate back to normalcy. Suit Supply's recent campaign, though, is the one that's tapping into the cultural zeitgeist, which is really piquing my interest, and that's why I'm talking about them today. The Ad Age headline describes the campaign best. Suit Supply goes for shock value with orgy-themed campaign during pandemic. Just please Google Suit Supply 2021 campaign right now. You need the visual. I'll give you a music transition while I wait. Okay. Yep. They're going there. Their ominous headline of the new normal is coming washes over you as your brain takes in the visual of men and women passionately kissing, or in some cases, licking each other's faces. But suit supply is tapping into our restlessness of being cooped up for a year and being so over social distancing. This is where post-pandemic attitudes and behaviors seem to be heading. Maybe not as far as perhaps suit supply is taking it, but we are craving a collective release from 12 months of physical suppression. Other fashion brands are banking on us ditching our sweatpants, thank God, as we emerge this spring. The New York Times reported Urban Outfitters is seeing more demand for dresses and other going-out type of apparel. Gym memberships are on the rise, as well as body waxing appointments. Hello. So, maybe we are gearing up for a season of human contact. And maybe that means KFC's finger-licking-good tagline can come back too. That got pulled, but I feel like it can come back now. Next, I want to talk about a trend I'm personally fascinated by right now. Since we just reached the one-year anniversary of the U.S. lockdown, there's a thing called pandemic nostalgia as we find ourselves lamenting about the early days of the pandemic when we thought it was only going to last for a few weeks. At first, I thought it was really crazy to say that we missed that time in our lives. But as I dug into it, I could kind of see the point. I also felt some pangs of nostalgia when I was thinking about our early family movie nights and getting around to watching those ridiculous Sharknado movies that we've been threatening to watch. Gen Z TikTokers are posting hashtag 2020 rewind videos recapping montages of their dance moves and recapping how embarrassed they were when their lockdown parents joined TikTok as well. They're also posting the things that stood out for them in the spring of 2020. Everything from early school days without Zoom, family walks, whipped iced coffee, not having a schedule and staying up all hours gaming, tie-dyeing, and of course, Tiger King media. But Gen Z are not the only ones looking back. A recent Huffington Post article titled 39 Painfully Relatable Tweets About Early Pandemic Nostalgia was a roundup I thoroughly enjoyed reading. Here are just a few tweets. March 2020, quote, Well, at least with a month at home, I can finally get that book done. March 2021, well. Or, quote, At the beginning of the pandemic, my goals were like, write a screenplay, or train for a half marathon. But now they're like, just have a nice morning and wash your hair, please. And finally, 
I miss that early part of quarantine when I was like, wow, I have so much time for self-improvement. Now I just sit in front of the same screens for 14 hours a day. Yeah, I do agree. The screen time is getting old and our work and home life is really blurring and every day feels the same. But now that the end is in sight, we're choosing to forget how scary and miserable that time was by reminiscing and poking fun at ourselves. And I say, whatever you've got to do to get through is fine. And last but not least, I'll finish this wrap-up episode with my most recent guest, Kristen Davini. She's the founder of a company called Proud Ounces. Proud Ounces is on a mission to make pumping breast milk at work easy for moms and the employers that support them. She's doing really important work to coach working women on their way back into the office. We definitely are very focused on working with businesses, and the reason for that is I think that's really where everything's happening. And although women can talk to other women about this and sort of we can coach them, and I think that's great, and I think it's extremely valuable, but we do need to be partnering with businesses so that they're kind of reaching out and the women are sort of reaching out too, so that we can sort of be that connection point between the two. It's very important for businesses to be increasing their support and their spaces and written policies and culture, which is another thing that we're planning on releasing later this year as a program to help with that. But for pump coaching, we are offering it as an employee benefit. So we can partner with a business and then they can offer pump coaching to their employees as part of their maternity package. So if you know you're going on maternity leave, you know, you also know that you're going to have proud ounces in your corner when you're preparing to come back to work to help coach you. And I love that model because then what we can do is we can add this other piece of the coaching where we can talk to them about at their specific workplace, what will pumping look like? So we will have that information. We can say at your employer, wherever you're physically going to be working, whether that's working from home, whether that's working from this office or that office, this is where your space is going to be to pump. This is where you're going to refrigerate your milk. And these are some of the expectations from your employer. So I think that's great because a lot of women don't know that information before their first day back. They're really not sure what's going to happen. And I think that contributes to a lot of the anxiety that sort of happens there of like, what is this going to be like? So we're sort of taking the guesswork out of that and, and laying that out for them and helping them sort of understand what that might be like. We are already working with some companies in Philadelphia, and we have been exploring our local area initially. And sort of like any size business, although I'd say medium-sized businesses have been sort of our initial target. And for me, that's partially because I think sometimes those businesses may not be offering as many of these types of benefits to their employees yet. So we're really excited for businesses to be offering this kind of extraordinary level of support. In prepping for this podcast, I started researching labor stats around women in the workforce and how significantly it's dropped due to the pandemic. According to the National Women's Law Center analysis of the latest jobs report, the total number of women who have left the labor force since last February of 2020 is 2.3 million, placing the women's labor force participation rate at 57%. And why is that significant? That's the lowest it's been since 1988. 
They cite the ongoing closures of schools and daycare centers during the pandemic being the main contributing factor to this. And with the childcare burden being left largely on women, a service like Proud Ounces helping new mothers confidently go back to work is more important now than ever. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I hope this Cliff Notes version gave you a flavor of what you may have missed the past few weeks. I want to thank my amazing guests and brands featured in Uncooked so far. Your stories and perspectives have always been so profoundly enriching to me, and I hope it's been the same for you too. If you want to learn more about the type of brand consulting that I do, just visit brandcrudo.com. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do so. It's the only way the podcast can grow. Thanks again for listening.